I'm Ryan Milliken from Hardway Performance, and you're listening to The Diesel Podcast. I'm Demetri Miller with No Zone Diesel. This is Anthony Reigns from XDP. This is Jaron Holder from Holder Down Performance. Corey Willis from PPI. I'm Drew with D&J Precision Machine. I'm Pinky. And you're listening to The Diesel Podcast. Diesel Podcast. You're listening to The Diesel Podcast. The Diesel Podcast. The one and only Diesel Podcast. What's up, Ryan? How you been, man? Oh, pretty good. Trying to get the end of year stuff done and uh, wrapping up uh, all the Christmas meetings and all that kind of junk. Christmas parties. Went to ATS, did some uh, electric go karting, and uh, <laughs> that was pretty cool. Sales department destroyed everybody else. I don't know if it's just because we have more tattoos and 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 we weigh less or what the deal was, but yeah, we, we dominated. Absolutely dominated the department, which I'm pretty pretty happy with. That's awesome. Congratulations on that on that victory. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. There's a really cool podcast we have today and a, a very special guest we wanted to have on for a long time. I'm pretty excited. I am I am super excited, but I'm also a little nervous just because I've been chasing this guy like the hot chick from high school like <laughs> all year. I literally had to go to Michigan and and get on one knee and be like, "Eric Merchant, would you please be on the podcast?" <laughs> it's like, "Okay." So, he's super busy. Because uh, he's one of those owners that just works and and he owns as opposed to just owning. So, uh, but yeah, I'm 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 really stoked. I feel like I feel like I accomplished something here for the podcast. Yeah, man. Yeah, how you doing, Eric? So, so I suddenly have this huge erection from that intro. <laughs> I don't know if it's natural. I mean, I, I just I'm gonna need a couple of minutes. It's okay. It's okay. Okay. It's natural. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll let this take care of itself, and we can. Yeah. <laughs> it lasts more than four hours. This has been a great podcast. <laughs> no, I just figured we restart the timer and keep going. <laughs> put it oh, the beauty of radio. Uh huh. Yes. I'd show you sometime. But anyways, no, I. Mm-hmm. No, Ryan has been chasing me. Um, it's weird because I I always wondered what the love letters were for, but now it's starting to come together. So this is right, right. It's been all a lead into this. It really has. Mm. So I'm really excited then. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Well, Patrick, you don't really know Merchant that well, and you know, to be honest with you, I didn't know Merchant that well. But for what would you say, a couple of years back, maybe two or three, we just started doing some of the same events, and lo and behold, we're like, let's rent a house together, or we stay with the owner of Alligators house together for his big dino day and we realized we might be the same human being which is which is awesome <laughs> i know the yeah, products I... though the products like the the transfer case braces the motor mounts the injector packages like people love them they ask about them all the time and we do sell you know a good number of them so I, that's how i knew merchant automotive was through yeah duramax specific products and, and things people you know needed or wanted right the, the, right. the problem solver market is kind of kind of where we've gravitated to. Um, my background, uh, dealership, and, and through those channels, you know, there's always repeat problems over and over in, in dealership settings, and they come as the vehicles come in, and then, you know, the, the model years change over, and then a new set of problems come in only because that's what's relevant at the time. So, so there's always been that, like, seeing all these repeat problems over and over, so that, that it just kind of just carried over because of that and you you mentioned the the rear housing support and the transfer case uh components that we've that we've got those are all a result of that so you know 
high performance and hot rod stuff is cool and it's got its place, but the problem solver market is, you know, it, it helps everybody, the snowplow guy, the landscaper. So being able to uh, tap into that market has been has been very good, kind of by accident, but not really, uh, because it affects everybody. Everybody needs to have their truck running regardless of how they use it. They still have to rely on it. So, so we've tried to take advantage of that. <clears throat> so you, you, mentioned, you mentioned working at the dealership and coming up with some problem solving um, to like some systemic issues, you know, maybe the dealer just couldn't fix it right. You're just warranting it over and over again, that kind of a thing. What, when did you and what kind of process, maybe you can kind of, you know, lead into some of these younger shops or younger manufacturers that are either interested in, in, in how you got to where you're at, but what, what was that process like for you to go from, hey, I'm a service writer or I'm turning wrenches at, you know, uh, the Barry Sanders GM up in you know <laughs> Michigan to I, I have a better way of doing this. I, are you an engineer? Do you have an engineering background, or do you have um, a technical degree, or did you work at CNC or anything like that ever? Uh, none of the above. Please choose okay. another answer. So, <laughs> in a nutshell, the automotive career came about because I hated school. Let's be honest. Um, <laughs> There was there was classes in school you required to take, and you get to choose electives to fill the gaps. And they had uh, this is um, early mid 90s when you could still have um, hands-on electives like woodshop and that kind of thing. So like Votech, you know, we still have Votech. Vote, yeah. Well, I'm in a rural area, but yeah, I mean you can do paint body, all that. Stuff. Yeah, all the stuff. You know what do they call them? Skilled trades. So <laughs> took took that and and did it through high school. Got a job. Uh, at some smaller, you know, Firestone doing alignments and tires and that kind of thing in high school part-time. Uh, after graduation from high school, ended up getting into a GM dealership and mm-hmm. worked my way into that. It was, you know, a big step into this real world, and all these schools would come in and say, you have to go to our school if you want to get a job in a dealership, and the dealership is where you want to work. And so I thought, well, I got a job in a dealership. I don't need to go to a vocational school after high school. Good, bad, or indifferent? Not sure. Just kind of ran with it. Um, worked my way up through that. Ended up doing a lot of heavy line repair. Uh, that's just kind of where it fell into, and stuck with that. Ended up getting into the transmission side, drive line side, engine side, and that's just where it was. Um, a couple different dealerships over the years. Fast forward to 2001, 2002. The Duramax comes out, and keep in mind at this time in a dealership or in a GM world, the 6.5 and 6.2 was what we what we had. And yeah. to this day, there's a handful of people that love those things, and the rest of us all run and scream. <laughs> Duramax. <laughs> Duramax comes along, and, okay, whatever. It's another diesel. Didn't have a whole lot of interest. Um, ended up buying a truck from the dealership that I worked at. I wanted to get a crew cab. Ended up buying a truck. Um, found the truck I liked. It happened to be a rival blue. So <laughs> bought the truck. Once that truck... Once I picked the truck out that was sitting on the lot, I'm like, oh, it's a diesel. Yeah, whatever. I like the color. I'm going to run with it. Mm. Well, that turns into this uh, changing life course thing. Um, mm. Keep in mind, in, in a dealership setting, there is there is everybody likes to do the same thing, you know, the, the Grand Prix, the pickups, the basic stuff. And as soon as you get outside of that world, whether it be a Corvette or a diesel, then nobody wants to touch it. That's a click. Mm. Um, if you drive one, you automatically assume the responsibility of working on them. So they start to come in my way. 
went through the GM training and the classes and the courses and kind of took an interest in it because it was different. Um, had a customer introduce me to the forums. This is 2002. Oh, boy. Forums. Yes. <laughs> yes. For, for the younger generation listening, that is the, that is the pre-social media internet argument spot. It's like the flip phone of Facebook groups, if, mm. if anybody wants a good analogy. Or, <laughs> or the Nokia bag phone, one of those two. So. Yeah. It, 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 this is, this is, it feels like such a long time ago, but it's really not. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're talking about 15 years ago, but <clears throat> diesel's young in general, you know, if mm-hmm. you really think automotive stuff. You know, we don't really have a year one diesel supplier yet. You know what I mean? That Hey, we make all the – I saw Ford release. You can buy a brand-new fastback Mustang body from Ford now, like like you would have bought it in the 60s. That's crazy. Oh, it is crazy. Good old FEMA. But yeah. anyway, continue. Sorry to jump in there. Keep going. No, you're good. So <laughs> a customer introduced me to this, and I get on these forums, and I see all these other enthusiasts, you know, questions and hows and I doing this and I take it back and it can't be fixed so I started offering advice informally you know just trying to help out and mm-hmm. that turns into people you know coming coming to the dealership I was at for some repair work and it started in the you know a 20-25 mile radius and then it grows to a you know a little bigger and a little bigger and somewhere along in there the the performance market starts turning into something that, you know, the tuners and whatnot. Um, transmission stuff I was already actively involved in anyways, and the Allison was a natural progression, went through all the pilot programs that GM had for the training side of that, and really took a liking to it because it was different. Uh, <clears throat> all of a sudden, the performance or the aftermarket transmission world starts coming along, and Long, long time ago, in a dealership right here local, I actually built the first Allison performance trans using an ATS kit. Mm. Um, and I was like, "Holy crap! What, 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 what do we just do here?" And, and it was, you know, an ATS trans with a co-pilot, and it was a hot juice unlock with a Quadzilla stack on an LV7. And I thought <laughs> I just uncovered the gold. <laughs> I mean, that was just the most radically thing ever conceived. I don't know how people could not kill themselves in this 450 horsepower machine. <laughs> um, so and now a Dodge Dart comes with 450. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's cute. <laughs> so that kind of turned into that and. Again, through the internet and the reach of the forums and that kind of thing. So you started so when you got this truck up to say 400 horsepower. You're still at the dealership, right? You're not, you're not in your garage working or tinkering or coming up with with product yet. You're literally just no. This, I was just a hot rod guy. Um, okay. It, I shouldn't say a hot rod guy. I really wasn't. I, I I guess I was I was intrigued by the possibilities of it, but I was still trying to drive this thing every day, and you know repairing the trucks that come in. Um, in a dealer setting under warranty, you're only allowed to do so much. You can't put aftermarket parts on to fix a factory problem, you know, but <clears throat> so it was limited. Um, mm-hmm. Over time, the dealership didn't have a ton of interest in a lot of the aftermarket stuff, mm-hmm. such as the transmissions and whatnot, so uh, I, I put a hoist in at home. 
And on the weekends, I would build transmissions, and during the week, I would work at the dealership. And for a long, long time, you know, on Saturdays, I'd have two transmission jobs lined up from quite literally people from all over the east side of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, was able to meet a lot of people that way um, that would come up from Michigan and make a weekend trip from, you know, I had customers in Florida that I met that way, uh, Oklahoma, you know, some guys out east. And there just wasn't a lot of guys out there doing it. So I was able to capitalize on that unintentionally, but it just worked out that way. So um, probably a conflict of interest at some point with the dealership, but, you know, it was a performance thing on the weekend and the dealership mm-hmm. on the weekdays. And mm-hmm. early 2005, um, ran into a situation with the dealership. Only one of us had the power to hire and fire, and it was not me. And they decided that I didn't need to be there anymore. So <laughs> at that point, it was kind of, a okay, I'll load my stuff up and go on to the next place. Or I've kind of got this little thing going. I got a little, you know, a little following on the forums. <clears throat> Just starting to get a website up and going, and a voiced. So what the heck, let's run with it. And so that's what I did. I went at it. You know, it was an overnight decision. There was no, let's prepare and get a shop put together and do whatever. It was, oh, I don't have a job. Let's make room in the garage. And I'm in a two-car garage in a mobile home park with a hoist in it. Um, So it's exactly what it sounds like. You know, there's, I roll a bunch of stuff out of the garage, and I'd have to put the garage door down so I could get the truck all the way in the air because (laughs) the garage door would hit the bed when I raised the truck and and did that for a few months and realized I need some space and moved to the first official location, which was um, 2000, uh, probably mid-2005, late 2005. Okay. And just started out doing service and then shipping, you know, some widgets and trinkets out, filters and fluids and basic dealer items. So that's kind of how it all started from there. Okay. I was just going to ask you, Eric, because people have asked this all the time, is like when they they think of merchant automotive, you, know, you think of transmissions, but then there's so many other things. How did that process kind of work out where you got into all the products that you offer? We touched on you know, some of them in the beginning, but was that just a natural progression or was it something where you saw, you know, say, a void in the market and, and could you know bridge a gap between things that would fail on trucks and how you could help people? Kind of, uh, probably that progression almost by accident. And we wanted, you know, what do people want to buy? What What's the problem with things? And how do we get parts to fix them? So mm-hmm. around 2000, late 2008, I ended up hiring a guy off Craigslist as a welder. I needed a guy, I needed to fill a position as a welder. So I hired a guy off Craigslist to do this position. And it uh, was... That kind of grew from there, from welding. Well, he had some business management background in school. So, you know, things were tight. It was it was 08. Economy's not the greatest, but we were plugging along. And decided that maybe instead of him welding, he had more benefit in doing other stuff, uh, the business management side. And he had some manufacturing experience. So we're able to bring in some of that stuff and put those products together where we could actually make them in-house. You know, we weld parts together and, you know, drawn stuff out with the most basic free CAD you could get because we were too cheap to buy it. <laughs> and, 
And we were relying on a lot of subcontractors to make parts for us. And subcontractors with machine shops, you're just a job shop, and you know they'll get to you when they get to you, and the price might be this, and it might take this long, and if you want more, buy more. Well, we didn't have that kind of overhead. So uh, this welder I hired in 2008, we actually drew up plans, and we became partners in 2010. So he's good on the business management side. Nick is good on that side and forecasting and office things and running a business stuff. And I don't want to sit at a desk. I'm hands-on, get greasy, let's fix things and wrench and do stuff. Um, so it actually works out very well as we continue to grow with them. And not being able to deal with sublets and when we're going to get stuff and the quality when we get it might not be the best. So we thought, well, we could just make it ourselves. So mm -hmm. we had this great idea, let's buy a CNC machine. And I remember we went to this equipment dealer and he said, yep, I got a used machine coming in. It's right up the street right now. It's actually in production. So we go down and look at it and I'm like, yeah, looks like it makes chips. So we buy the thing. They bring it over, they set it up, the electrician comes, hooks it up, and we stand there and look at it like it was a spaceship because we, <laughs> we can make the lights come on and spin, but quickly realize that we may have got in over our head. Um, so we went back down to the shop that had the machine that we ended up buying and hired the guy that ran it down there. Um, so we kind of got our feet wet with CNC side of things that way. Um, and picked up some other really good people along the way <clears throat> that, you know, we needed, we needed some positions filled and we were able to fill those. And quickly realized that <clears throat> hiring skills is helpful, but hiring people is um, way more important. Good people will, will learn skills and, you know, come together as a better team way faster than a bunch of people that just like diesel trucks and like to blow smoke, but <clears throat> it might not have the other qualities that need to be there. So, uh, so you, three. over the course of three years, <clears throat> go from out on your ass, from a dealership job to running service work and doing gypsy transmission stuff around the country to hiring a CFO and buying a CNC machine. <laughs> um, <clears throat> apart from the service work, I know Merchant to be famous for, uh, again, those problem-solving items, but some of them aren't just um, some of them aren't a unique item. You know, some of them are an item from GM or AC Delco, but they're mm -hmm. hard to source. It's nine different parts. Were those the first things that you started shipping out, or did you have a Keystone product that really made Merchant Automotive? Like, you really put your heads together and say, you know what, nobody makes this thing. We're doing the basic service. We're buying it from GM. You know, we're staying alive on local customer and people who are willing to drive in, you know, via form referrals. And then you come up with something innovative, or did you start kind of uh, towing in with some of these, um, you know, you can get it at a GM dealer, but, you know, we have better install instructions, and we put all the right parts in the kit, like, you know, like an injector installation kit. That's like one of your best pieces, because it includes, you know, 15, 20 different items you have to buy from different sources, and, and nobody really wants to do that if you're a DIYer. Um, well, and the dealerships weren't stocking the stuff, and... You know, the, the diesel wasn't the most familiar thing for a lot of dealerships at that time. So for in order to get a part, you had to get your VIN number and everything else. And, you know, it's the old 
it's just a pain in the butt to get it from them because they're not even sure what we're looking for. We, we did the homework on it. So a lot of the stuff that we started out selling online was the same stuff you could get at a dealership. We just made it easy. We did the homework. I told you what it fits. We told you how to put it on sometimes and just took all the, the guesswork out of it if you're going to get the right part. Um, and then, again, the, the kidding of things up. What does it take to put this piece on or do this job? Well, mm-hmm. we've already done the homework, and we just made it easy. Who wants to go, you know, oh, I don't have this. I need to go to the store, or i got to get my truck running, or I can't find it, or the dealer doesn't have it. Well, mm-hmm. we had it. Um, so that's kind of how it started, was <clears throat> making it easier to get the parts that you already need uh, without having to go through the legwork. Okay. I would say so, the keep going. Sorry, I guess I can say I would the first monumental part I think that I'd come up with that that I thought there's got to be a better way would be the transfer case pump upgrade. Uh, hmm. <clears throat> fixing that problem, we see it in the dealership um, where the, the the pump inside the transfer case would rub through the housing. So I thought, well, if we could just make that contact point wider <clears throat> and just kind of played around with some stuff and, and trying to figure out how to do it and realized that making it from scratch was going to be quicker and that little, you know, product is simple in itself, but it, if you have that issue, you need other parts to go with it. So then we were able to, you know, expand our transfer case offering to, at this point, we've got, you know, everything um, for the GM HD transfer cases. And uh, motor mounts are breaking. You know, this is <clears throat> 10 years ago when guys are welding motor mounts out so they could put twin turbo kits on so nothing rubs and pulls apart. Well, Nick had actually come up with the idea of why don't we just make a different motor mount with a poly bushing in it. And I said, okay, let's try it. So we probably a year with the revisions to make them so they would fit and work and do what they needed to do. And, uh, you know, here we are, I don't know, eight years later building them in a robot just to meet demand. Mm. Um, it's a staple item. It works well. It does what it needs to do. And it, 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 it's a problem solver thing. Yes, there's other, you know, you can put a stock one back in, but the guys that don't want to deal with it, we, they re, they replace them with an aftermarket piece. So, you know, and I think that's where more aftermarket companies should land. You know, I think the, the hot rod stuff is fun, you know, the big turbos, the um, beefed up transmissions with billet everything, but mm-hmm. for your everyday guy that buys a diesel, most people purchase a diesel because they had a gas truck and they were towing with it, and either the fuel economy was bad or braking was sketchy, because it, you know, <laughs> uh, or, or suspension was sketchy, all these types of things, and I think we kind of forget um, how important uh, those types of parts are because the glitz behind, you know, all the billet goodness that I saw at PRI here this last uh, weekend and, um, you know, the coverage of the UCC, this power revolution, this horsepower war that's happening in diesel, I think is maybe taking our focus off of these great innovative parts you can put on in your driveway and, and really does take some of the maintenance out. Because like you said, you mentioned earlier, whether it's a Corvette or a diesel at some point, um, you know, you either end up working on it on you know by yourself, or you're the only shop in town that does diesel. So whether it's on the owner basis or owning a shop basis, you know, I'm in the St. Louis area. There's only a handful of guys that will actually work on a diesel, and most of them don't want to touch 
aftermarket parts because of some of the stigma around, you know, oh, it's just hot rod parts, or I don't want to put mm-hmm. this tune on there, and it just breaks stuff, and that there's this whole sector of upgrades that you can do to your diesel that it is is better for it. You know, we found something that's weak, and we're making it better, as opposed to, let's go faster, let's make more power, and, and you know, I'm not trying to get too... Uh, soapboxy here or anything like that but you know i i've always really admired um what you do because uh i don't know i don't want to call it boring i mean it's just kind of rude but you know what i mean like it it doesn't have the glitz it doesn't have the glamour no no glory to a motor mount really you know nope and and that's you know years ago we did that we we had built some trucks and 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 one of them that that stands out i kind of forgot about it as we're talking is um a a truck for a customer out of canada and was involved in that build um it was the first duramax to do a thousand horsepower on a chassis dyno and it did it twice on two different dynos so Hmm. you know that was a that was neat to be a part of that to say that yeah we were involved in that build with a transmission and an engine and and that kind of thing because you know again this is 2007 it, it, a thousand horse truck is, you know, at that point was unheard of, and right. today that's almost daily driver. But and it's, <laughs> it, it, there's not a, everybody wants it, but nobody really needs it type of thing. And yeah, you know, it isn't. We we don't have the glitz and glamour of you know somebody that builds some you know spin whistle turbos and and high performance this and hot rod that. But we build the boring stuff that everybody needs. And right. Right. It's it's. I love to build cool stuff. Uh, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, clearly you have some passion um, for the diesel community because you started as an enthusiast. And if you have the fortitude, and, and some of our younger listeners will not know what you meant by the forums, but it makes like the Facebook rah-rah trash-talking look just infantile compared to what the forums were like. I mean, these would be, and you really had to be dedicated to, like, get in there and talk trash because they'd go on for, like, 220 pages. It wouldn't be, yeah. like, uh, you know, one page worth of comments and then somebody just hits delete because they're blowing up their Facebook, you know, that kind of a thing. It it was, I mean, it's still there. I mean, you pop yeah. into Google, Merchant Automotive, I could bet you I can find an 07 post from way back when and you and Mike Meinke were talking trash to each other about what to do to an Allison transmission. <laughs> <laughs> you know? uh, yeah. If you don't know who Mike Meinke is, folks, he's the, the general manager over at, at ATS Diesel. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, this is like some old school stuff, you know. That we still get, we still get hits from forum, from forum links from, from years and years ago. Um, mm. But it was at that time the forums were that was honestly a source for good technical conversation, some good learning, mm-hmm. some good reasoning, and the trash talking. I, if it existed, it was very minimal. It just mm-hmm. it's, the the Facebook and social media. It's almost irritating. I mean, mm-hmm. hey, what about this? And then everybody wants to go in there and and tell you how bad or who you should buy from, not answer the question. And it's almost frustrating and and i'm sure there's value in them to a certain extent but man i the patience level required is is it's tough to tough to round up at least for for me um eric uh, you're you're a younger guy and you're into technology i mean you're not you're not 20 but you're not uh you're not some you know aged out you know as far as you know new technology and things like that what what do you think the impact is of social media on 
uh, on information. Like you mentioned, this this great free transfer of information and being able to grow our businesses together as a community. Do you think social media has had a positive or a negative or mixed or what? What, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's an avenue to get the information out there and. I would have to say it's positive because if it wasn't there, there's a lot of things that yeah, people advertise on social media because that's where everybody is. And, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and there's <clears throat> nobody has a blog where you have to go find it necessarily without telling you about it on social media. So it's positive because you're getting it out there, and it's an avenue that everybody is involved in. So I don't, I don't think we would be where we are with things today without that type of avenue. Hmm. Um, it, but where do you where do you draw the line on who who knows what they're talking about who doesn't you know but you know the community used to be a lot smaller and you know I'll be I'll be reading something in a Facebook forum and be like I don't know who this guy is but he's spot on that type of thing or it'll be I don't know who this guy is but he's completely wrong or you'll post something and somebody will say who's Eric Merchant <laughs> I'm like you don't know who Eric Merchant is. So, like, uh, there's almost like no, there's no grading on who is, who's an expert, who's not an expert, and I just wonder if it leads to more, um, you know, trash talking than it does problem solving. Does that make sense? It it does because there is no, there is no way of knowing, you know, the forum days, you the post count. Oh, that guy must be good. He's got a lot of posts. Right. No, he just runs his mouth and he's got no life. Uh, <laughs> not necessarily. The forum there isn't. If you have a device in your hand, you can run your mouth without mm-hmm. repercussion. And right. how do you tell the difference? I don't even know. You know, mm-hmm. I, if if I see something that I may not feel is accurate, I sometimes I'll take the moment to try and edge them to thinking about it differently. Uh, mm-hmm. You can't argue with the guy because then you're just as bad. And geez, I got you know, I got better things to do than that. Right. Just like everybody else does, but I don't know how you tell the difference between who's full of shit, who smells like shit, who walks in shit, and who sells shit. Right. At the end of the day, they're all involved in it, but it's tough for a guy that's just seeking answers. He's going to just have to use his uh, his inner gut feeling, I guess, when he's reading this stuff. Uh, right. But there is a lot of information I feel is misleading or or damaging or unhelpful, but it's the common answer, so it's accepted. Mm. Yeah, I mean the misinformation is the biggest thing that I struggle with as a as a brand representative. Is I always thought this, you know, and like, how did you think that? Well, it's all over Facebook. You're like, oh my god, you know. Oh, and I think the guys that are that. really in the know are the ones that are just tired. You know, like I'm too busy to get on here and chase every single white rabbit down the hole of misinformation. Like, no, you know, inducer sizes and everything on a turbo or. No, the Allison transmission doesn't do X Y Z. It's the clutch to clutch. It's not like a four hundred one hundred. Let me give you go. Let me go through transmission school with you for the next eight hours of people calling me. You know, <laughs> everything in the book, that type of thing. So again, I, I think, I'm I'm kind of trying to advocate for the, the the consumer. Say I just bought a truck. You know, how do how do I get good answers on what what to do first on this thing? You know, it, let's say I picked up an LB seven. I'm a young kid. Um, obviously, this truck's going to have some miles on it. What's the first thing I do, Eric? You know, if 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 social media has some level of unreliability, maybe people can go to this podcast and get some good truck build stuff done. So, what, what's the first thing you're doing to that truck? 
Are we talking about an LB7 or are we using an example? But I, no, no, LB7, the serious okay. talk, real talk. Okay, we're, this is a serious guy. Okay. Yeah, yeah, real no we tech talk. I think we've established okay. that Facebook is full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> there, there might be a diamond in the rough. You just have to figure out how to find it. Right, um, and I don't think I don't you do it with answer. your first truck. I think maybe the second truck, you've learned some hard lessons, um, you know, and, and you can kind of sort it out. But I think for some of our younger audience that are enthusiasts and say they've, they've just bought an LB7 with 150,000 miles on it if they're lucky, then it is bone stock, it was a clean truck, you know, all that good stuff. Diamond, that would be another diamond in the rough. But say, say they have sounds, that like truck. A, sounds like a diamond in the rough. The LB7, yeah, yeah. by nature, has this has this black cloud over top of it and in its in its you know because of cab corners okay no just kidding it's the injector curse everybody's like mm-hmm. scared of an lb7 because of the injector curse well yeah so what every truck has a curse the lb7 is a that was my first truck yes the injectors are an issue when it yes there is replacement options yes there's very good replacement options no you'll never have to put only one set in and never worry about it again so it's like any truck Buy the nicest truck you can find. You know, body-wise, whatever. If you know history on it, great. Uh, mechanicals expect to do repairs. You're buying a truck that hasn't been made in mm, 13 years. It's going to mm-hmm. need work. Yeah. Um, and have it looked over or, or prepare to invest some money in it, regardless of what the history is or how many times something's been replaced or how well it was maintained. It's a, it's a mechanical truck. <clears throat> on an LB7... <laughs> Like any other truck, have it looked over if you're not comfortable doing it yourself. Um, injectors are going to be needed at some point in that truck's life, even if they've been done. Okay? So just deal with it. Um, and then just maintain it. You know, if you don't know the history, start with the basics. Make sure all the fluids are fresh. Make sure the filters are clean. Make sure the everything's greased and tight and suspension-wise. And enjoy it. Don't Don't sweat it. And... One of the things that we we talked about Facebook a little bit, and I always see it, and it drives me nuts, and I want to reach out to, you know, can I use names of other companies? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I want to reach out to guys like Jared Venz and tell him to quit putting balance rates on a CTS2 monitor because that's all people do is look at these <laughs> damn numbers and want to know if their injectors are bad. And <laughs> Sorry, that's funny. Jared's a no, friend. Jared's oh, a please friend. bust his balls as hard as you can. Jared, I, Jared I, I ask of this with many with many supports. Please keep or the maybe, balance rates to the snap. Or maybe well, you can put the balance rates on, but how about we like program a range in there where they just can't go past that range or something like right. that? You know, just fictitious information to save bandwidth, mm. so we don't have to have those questions. Uh, but those are forum led. Don't worry about balance rates. If the truck's running fine, it's not smoking, it runs, then don't sweat it. Quit looking for problems because you think there might be one. Um, just enjoy the truck. And then buy a lot of parts from us. And if you do have questions on a truck like that, call us up. We have guys here that that's what we do. That's all we do. I can't it's tell you advice. anything about a Ford. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to call it free advice because, well, I mean, it kind of is. But, right. you know, I would rather steer you straight and not tell you anything now than tell you something that you don't need or you or you can better put money in other places. I guess that's just what it is. I, how would I want to be treated? You know, don't yeah. tell me crap because that's what you offer. Tell me crap because that's going to help me. Because I, I need it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, 
just enjoy the truck. Don't be scared of it. You, you know, you buy an LOI, it's going to have its own host of issues. And LBZ is going to, you know, <clears throat> I'm pretty sure at some point everything is going to break something. Uh, but nobody ever talks about not buying a truck because it's got bad window switches or, you know, the extended cab doors suck. It's It's going to need parts. You know, one of the things that you're doing that I really like, um, that I'd like to see more companies do, and, and um, the guys over at um, uh, Duramax Tuner are doing it too, particularly on the Duramax platform, is explaining your products on on like a video basis, what you guys do with your products, what it fixes on the truck, uh, what's broken from the truck originally. I think, and, you know, this is just one guy's opinion, that is how you separate the, the wheat from the chaff is because everybody has a device and they can ring in. Not everybody will take the time to video, edit, get the sound right, put the lights on, put themselves out there, make some sort of weird little script, and and put out some good advice. And and I think that's how, if, if I were to first buy a truck, um, I think that's a really good marker out there is, is some of these videos you've been doing. What... What was what was the idea behind that? Why did you decide to to start doing these these videos and and have they helped uh, I guess move more product or uh, you know uh, educate more consumers? The, the videos have been huge, the, and I think videos in this in this day and age of where technology is and the YouTube and that type of thing, you can you, you can put it all down on paper, but not everybody learns on paper. You know, some things you need to have written out stuff, but show me what it does, why I need it, and how it works, but don't bore me. And that's a huge demand because you don't want to get under-technical on something, but you want to explain an issue. And we've done some, you know, not nearly enough. I've got all sorts of ideas, and I'm very, very, very bad at getting the videos done. But it is, you know, uh, show me the information. And people, I think, relate to that because they can see it, they can hear it, they can watch it, they can not necessarily feel it, but you have all these, you can get so much more in a short video than, than a blog 14 pages long that you have to read, you know, I want to see pictures and, and that kind of thing. So if I can show a guy how to take care of an issue on his truck that isn't going to benefit me any, but I want to help the guy out, you know. We've got an app that we've put together on all the platforms, and we don't charge for the app. The idea is just a place to get information, torque specs, trouble codes, RPO codes, you know, how-to video links, um, just a way of gathering information so that when a guy is working on his truck, well, what do I got to torque this to? He's got a place to go get it. And we're getting the information from, you know, OE sources. It's not Internet sources. Um, uh, capacities and, and anything, you know, that will help the guy out we're going to share it with him, and I think we'll help him out that way, and he's going to remember that, and we'll be here when he needs that we offer, and if there's things that we don't offer, maybe we'll get there, um, but we, we've done well with the niche, and the Duramax Tuner guys that you bring up, I've worked with those guys for a long, long time, and just great people in the industry. There's a lot of them out there that I don't think the general public realizes how small the industry is mm. on the background. Um, but having those videos really does help people out, and people remember that, and they'll return that patronage, I feel, somehow. Yeah. 
I was well, just going to mention that. Authority. <clears throat> At the end of the day, if somebody watched a video on it, you know, and and they could go take that link or whatever to that Facebook forum, be like, well, Eric Merchant said this. You know what I mean? And it's giving some ammo for some people to, you know, educate themselves. And if you can be the one to educate somebody, I think you immediately become the authority. I mean, think about how people look up to their teachers, like, oh, yeah, she knows everything about history, Mm -hmm. that kind of a thing. Even though we're human, we're all fallible, we could make mistakes. But like I said, I think think it's cool that you're putting yourself out there um, with – it's not like you have to charge 99 cents to download the video, you know, of some sort of injector installation. You know what I mean? That's, that, that, that 99 cents a video thing is a whole other business I've got on the site. But oh. Okay. I, I, don't, I don't think this is the time or place for that. So. You have to be 18 <laughs> no. or over to uh, download 20, 21. this. 21. <laughs> 21. Anyways. Uh, no. <laughs> this is going to a dark place. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Storm clouds are brewing. No. <laughs> you, know what, it, it, you, you mentioned that, and it's, I have an opinion on a lot of things, and I I – I'm very comfortable with my knowledge base, and if I'm not sure, I will be very clear with somebody on that. I'm like, you know, I don't know. I would, I think people appreciate that more than another line of bullshit, even if it sounds convincing, um, mm-hmm. even though they might not get the answer. And there's a lot of guys that have come up in the last, you know, 10 years through the industry that I've gained a lot of respect for that are also very knowledgeable people. And I think the more people like those and um, myself and, and other knowledgeable people can share that information. Hopefully, people can weed through the garbage information. Um, I like to think that if I if I say something, that it people do respect it. You know, I, I'm probably not going to be right sometimes, but it's an opinion. You know, how do I do this or what do I think about this? It's an opinion. There's everybody's got their own, but years and years and years of doing the same thing and and sticking with that has proven to be successful and I feel confident in the things that we're telling people or advice that we're giving. So Yeah, I was gonna mention Ryan, you nailed it with the videos and people need to go on Facebook and subscribe to Merchant Auto and I will wa- I watched all the videos because it's so I think kind of rare to be able to have a, a an issue explained, you know, say with a component, a fix for it. And then all the details in something that, you know, I don't get bored watching the videos. I pay attention to them and, and I like to learn about it. And that's, you, you hit the nail on the head with it, you know, with the, the importance of that and kind of sifting through the information that's out there. And you can go on, you know, to Facebook, see it, understand it, and then, you know, you know, where to buy the part or the fix for it. Yeah. And hopefully the information is being used and I, you know, Obviously, there's a ton more of videos that I'd like to do. And, I mean, if people that are listening to this say, hey, I wish there was a video on whatever, you know, I'm sure that there's an avenue that we can get that information back, whether, you know, somehow of them responding to some type of whatever to, to let us know what they want to see, you know, through, through this podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I would love that feedback, you know, just to make sure that we're, what we're doing is relevant to what people are wanting to know, so... So how many uh, how many videos do you have out there now, Eric? I don't honestly know. Um, maybe fifty or seventy-five total on a YouTube oh, page. Yeah. That was more than I, I thought. Was, you know what? I, I might be making up a number. So as we're sitting here, I'm I'm going to hit the YouTubes and 
go find that out because right. um, I don't want to mislead things. We, we've yeah. been doing a lot of smaller videos on, on individual products, okay? Mm-hmm. Kind of a touchy-feely. We've got 125 videos on our channel, looks like, but I'm sure not all of them are relevant to products. They might be some old pulling videos from years past and that kind of thing. So um, we've done some TV advertising with some stuff, and there's some links to those videos as well. But uh, So uh, explain, explain this to me because <clears throat> I am in the – the diesel community on, you know, the representative basis. And I, I mostly deal with wholesale and jobber shops. I don't deal with the retail consumer unless I am in a booth talking to a customer that owns a truck. Like, hey, I got a 7.3 IDI, and does ATS still make that turbo kit for it? I'm like, no, please go talk to banks. Um, so uh, what what's your target consumer? How do you want to get the products to the market? I mean, clearly you're educating the customer, <clears throat> But how do you buy merchant stuff? I mean, do I buy it directly from you? Is your focus mostly on those diesel shops that are in the smaller towns that, you know, the dealer doesn't really want to touch this aftermarket truck, and so I'm going to try and make sure that this guy has all my good widgets and fix-its and, you know, everything's in one bag and, and he can operate his business a little smoother? Like, what's what's the story there? Like, how, how are you trying to get your parts out to the, uh, the diesel community? Uh, I guess there's a number of ways. The, the most obvious is is a retail is is direct through us, um, mm-hmm. right off the website by calling us. Um, we also sell through distribution. So if you have a let's say you have a shop that you're working with in your area, um, and is interested in some of the some of the items that we sell, that shop most likely is able to buy through some major distributors and we're able to sell our product through them so that your local guy is able to get a hold of it um, and save you the steps. Um, there's a lot of online guys, you know, the alligator performance guys, uh, um, the big online presence guys, diesel power products, throwbird diesel, anybody that you're used to dealing with, and, and I know there's others, and I'm I'm going to get heat for not remembering who they are, but diesel <laughs> power. Yeah, diesel power. <laughs> Yeah, you probably, uh, any of your favorite retailers, you know, yeah. they've got the stuff. They don't have the stuff. You so know, can I trust plug. a merchant automotive? If, say I'm a retail consumer. Can I trust a merchant automotive part that's on, say, eBay or Google Shopping or Amazon? If it's on a discount website, and I say that meaning the Ebays, the Amazons, we are not, we are not directly filling those orders. We don't advertise there. We don't sell there. I know that okay. some of our products have reached that through third and fourth party. Um, mm-hmm. If it is our product and you purchased it there, we will back it. Mm. I, I don't have a way of telling you no because I don't have a sophisticated system in place to track all that stuff. Um, but I do need to have some record of how it got to you, the customer, uh, at the end of the day. If we're going to if we're going to back it, I guess is in a nutshell. The Google Shopping, the the like I said, all the major retailers that way, the local shops, you know, yes. I I hope there's nobody knocking our stuff off to the T where you couldn't tell the difference, but mm. you never know. Um, and I would prefer that you do buy it through trusted channels. You know, mm-hmm. uh, like I said, the stuff's out there in other channels, but if 
make sure that it's somebody that you can actually talk to if you're buying the thing because we want to make sure that if you buy the stuff you're getting the proper tech support through it and a lot of times through those discount deals you're not able to get backing you know i am not a fan of those of those types of sales where a guy is buying on price and then he can't get a hold of nobody to help tech and then he you know he calls his local shop and wants help putting his discount part on and local shop is obviously usually not on board with that either so you get what you pay for these days and the cheapest is usually not the best um if you're shopping on price probably probably not wanting to you you're not building a good relationship with with somebody that's going to be able to help you down the road on your truck for for service for parts for whatever you need so just keep that in mind i guess that the cheapest isn't usually the best. Hmm. Did I totally not answer that question? No, you totally answered it. This, I'm, Pat, it's slowly turning into vibrating <laughs> over there, wanting to say something. Because, please, please. Uh, this this is your world, man. I mean, you are the sitting on the phone talking somebody through their truck build every day kind of guy. You know, it's absolutely correct as far as buying from a trusted source where the phone is answered and not. You want that support there, you know, for the customer, but then also. If you are a retailer or an e-commerce place or a shop, then you have a trusted place like Merchant Automotive where if you do have a question, you can talk to someone, get the answer. The information's there. The video's there. The product installation is there. You order you know, a, an injector kit. Everything's in there that you need. If you want other stuff, it's all right there, and it makes it so easy, I think, for the, the retail customer, for the shop, for everyone to have it all streamlined like that. And I think you hit it right there, Patrick. You, you're on the phone talking to a guy through a truck build. And that's exactly the relationship I want somebody to have with a, with a shop, you know. We hear so many times where a guy talks to a guy through a truck build and then takes that information and goes and buys the stuff the cheapest place you can find it. Well, meanwhile, the guy, the guy that supported him and showed him what works together and what is going to do what he wants to do, you, you know, you just kick that guy in the nuts. And, and yeah. I, I think it's hugely important. You're never going to go to Amazon and talk to one of the representatives and figure out what parts you need to do to, to delete your truck or do this. I'm sorry, I shouldn't use that word. To build your truck. Um, no, and, and that's a whole other story, and I am not on board with any of it. Um, but, but, you know, if a guy's taking his time out of his day to point you in the right direction and give you that good advice, he's got to make a living, and he's doing it by providing you a service, you know. Yeah. In the, the well, at the end of the day, we all try and sell MAP-protected products, you know, minimum mm-hmm. advertised price. Just It's good for the, the industry and, you know, whether you want to call it price fixing or, you know, that kind of thing right. and is, is we're trying to build in profitability so merchant can buy another robotic welder and come up with something else really cool, you know, that type of thing. If we literally sell it for just operating costs, uh, like some of these guys will do. And me and Pat had a podcast where I basically unloaded on the cheap Chinese knockoff stuff that's starting to kind of proliferate in our industry. <coughs> that, I wish um, I was part of that. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, There was a lot of swear words. We had to put like a not safe for work parental advisory stamp on the podcast. But Yeah, I, I am not a fan of that either uh, at all. Yeah. Well, like I said, if you take somebody, and and again, on the manufacturing side of things, you're making the same point on the retail consumer um, experience is that, you know, we've put this hard work into innovation or building a product, and to have somebody just take it 
and and copy mm-hmm. it and put it back out on the market with their name on it um, or, you know, Shanghai, you know, c- comes directly in from Shanghai kind of a thing. Um, that that bothers me, you know, in, in what I think uh, – well, what I hope happens is, you know, the the pigeons come home to roost or whatever that saying is. Um, is you lost me there. <laughs> is, is, <laughs> but that's that, is, is the same thing in the retail consumer experience will happen in the manufacturing experience is the reason to send it to China is that you could do it cheaper. And when you do it cheaper, it's worse quality item and it breaks and you're stuck fixing the thing twice and, you know, three times. I, I use um, uh, wash and wear injectors as a pretty good example. Guys who take cores, clean them up and sell them as a, as a remand injector and it's not really a quality item, you know, and they right. end up cutting a piston in half or melting the motor down or just having to do the injector job again, right? Um, so it's like buy the good thing the first time. It's the same thing on the retail experience, um, like Pat was mentioning. You know, if you want to have a guy stand behind the products he's selling for your truck, you know, I think people don't understand how long they're going to be married to their trucks. Is I, I've had guys who, you know, bought a six liter and they're like, oh, I'm going to fix it and flip it, that kind of thing. They fix it. They're like, man, I'm so much, I'm so deep into this truck, I can't sell it. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm married to this same thing. I don't want to scare anybody away from diesel ownership, but the maintenance that these trucks require, if you just buy the good parts first, you know, it's not going to break again. You won't be pot committed to it maybe, but mm-hmm. you know, don't, don't betray the guy on the phone that walks you through the truck build, sells you all the good little pieces to make your truck reliable and, and go and buy it from whatever cheapest Google shopping thing you can find or eBay or, you know, it could potentially be a knockoff kind of thing. You know, buy it from trusted sources, and he'll be more than happy to get on the phone with you again. Because what I've noticed is that this diesel ownership thing is a disease. You know, most oh, people aren't going to own one so. turbo. They're going to own two or three, and they're going to turn it up. They're going to do more to it. You know, um, they're going to end up buying a second stock vehicle just so they have something to drive while the other trucks being worked on. You know, <laughs> so. Yep. It, it, it is a huge addiction for sure, and yeah. and having that, having somebody help you along the way, you know, at a certain point you'll be able to maybe make some more educated decisions as a guy gets more experienced in it. But you know, the, the guys that are doing this for a living, you know, the people that uh, we've talked about, the other companies, the other industries, these are these are guys that really enjoy the business. It's not just you know slinging parts to, to say they do and they just load up whatever they can these you know there's a genuine interest in it and we're all personable people you know you, I, I don't hide behind some website you can't ever get to us come in see the place walk around i'll give you a tour you know mm-hmm. like if it's later in the day i'll let you buy me a beer i i'm not even fussy <laughs> speaking of where where is merchant located if it's in the area where, where would i come see you uh, we are, I, I know. I know what you know. I, uh, yeah. Southwest Michigan. So if you're if you're familiar with Michigan, um, we're just south and west of Grand Rapids. So we're 20 miles east of Lake Michigan and 70 miles north of the Indiana border, kind of in this little corner between Grand Rapids and Holland in a town called Zealand. That is our... That is our base of operations. No, I've, base of operations. Uh, I've been there a handful of times this year. It's my first time going, and it's it's something to see. Um, I've I've really enjoyed 
Um, walking through there, seeing the machines, how he's got the place set up. He's, uh, the robotic welder is pretty cool, the one that's banging out motor mounts. I think Jake works that machine still. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, uh, but I want to tickle your brain on one more thing. Now that we've solved all the world's retail and wholesale issues on, you know, price fixing and map and, and, uh, buying Chinese knockoff stuff, um, I saw you like, you label everything now. And, uh, like the trash can has like this, uh, taped square around it and it says trash can here kind of a thing. And you're like, well, you know, if you always know where a trash can is, you never, it's never a problem kind of a thing. <laughs> um, you may be the most anal human being I, I have ever met. I, I, have you always been that way? Uh, no. Organizing the shop that way or what's going not on? E- not, not even close, not even close. And, and I, and, and I have a lot of areas in my life that I have been lax and, you and I both know it, Ryan. We have numerous times held world summits where we just discuss things over <laughs> over medication, medic, medicinal drinks. I maybe I don't know what the word is, but we, we get it, we get drunk and solve the world's problems. It's okay. I don't think we're drunk. I think we're more we're freer enlightened. A, yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> it, and, and we've had those conversations kind of, I don't know, off air or not public or whatever you want to call it. You know, I use my, I'm going to use my parking lot line example because you brought it up. And, and every time I say parking lot lines, I get a ugh around here. <laughs> winter climates. We're in winter climates here. And we have the same parking lot that's been in this building for 10 years. And nothing has changed on this parking lot. It has not moved. And... In our parking lot, we have lines to, to identify a parking spot, okay? Every day, people drive in, they park in between the lines because that's where they are. As soon as the snow hits and you can't see the lines, the same people that come to the same parking lot every single, almost every single day of the year, suddenly don't know where to park because their guide is gone. That simple little line that shows them where to park is gone. And it's not intentional. It's just all of a sudden we're three spots short. Go to a supermarket. The first snow, you can't hardly make it down an aisle because nobody knows where the aisles are because the guides are gone. So as soon as you can't find out where to park, your brain just goes into pissed off mode because these little teeny guidelines in our life are gone. And it, it sounds simple, and I'm sure I'm getting people that are, uh, if they could hear us talking right now. But no, this is this is some heavy that? shit, man. Just, just it, put it it's out. So, it's, it's, this will so fix your deep. personal life, I swear to God. <laughs> I swear to God, if you go after this with your personal life, your wife will punch you in the spot that you label on your face. <laughs> here, here, babe, punch me right here on this yellow dot, okay? Use, use with caution, I guess, let's put it that way. But I'm trying to throw stuff away. Where's the trash can? I can't find the trash can. So then I give up looking and I throw it on the floor, okay, sarcastically. So if we start with the simple stuff, you know, maybe maybe yellow tape and break signs isn't the answer, but the more people you get in an environment, you know, oh, hey, we're out of toilet paper. Oh, where do we keep it? I don't know. Well, all of a sudden we're out of toilet paper. That's a pretty shitty situation right there. So if we can avoid running out of toilet paper and finding a place to put our trash, then all of a sudden we can move on to the next tackle of the day, like, where's the coffee cups? <laughs> oh, <laughs> we've done a spot. So it, it starts small, and, you know, with the coffee cup, 
we have coffee cups, we have lids. If I go to the store and buy coffee cups because they're on sale, they don't fit the lids I have. So now I have a bunch of lids that don't work instead of just being uniform. You know, there's a limit to it. And people are going to hate me for even bringing it up because it is a, I get it. I, I think it's great. I'm trying to move towards that. And that that is a difficult thing. People will, people will push and push and push backwards on the most basic things. And, and it's a difficult thing. I, I think it's great, but man, how many times do we look for our keys? If we always had a key spot, <laughs> we could find our keys every morning. Mm-hmm. So uh, I enjoy it. It's a challenge, but it's, it's a huge step in life. Let's, you know, man, if we didn't have this thing bugging us, like where to put the trash, then we could all of a sudden everything's cleaner. Where's the brooms? Where's the, Where's the cleaners? Where's it just starts small. And one one thing kind of stood out to me when you and I were chatting this last time we were enlightening ourselves with um, Samuel Adams um, was we looked at this video you had made for Inside the Office and and Pat I don't think I've told you about this yet this is a pretty cool story he basically told all his employees I need uh, I want you guys to make no bake cookies. Um, which I don't know if you know how to make a no-bake cookie. Not everybody has it memorized in their head, right? Um, so basically, Eric put forth a small challenge. It's not a big deal. No-bake cookies, right? He went out and bought all the ingredients. But he bought variants of the ingredients, oats that are steel cut and not cut, you know, salted and unsalted butter, um, you know, sugar in the raw, regular sugar. And then um, they don't have a chef's kitchen over there at Automotive. So not not all the tools are in place. You know, they didn't have a full set of measuring cups. And they, you know, and, and since there was no place for these ingredients to go, he just kind of put them all around the cabinets in the little kitchen area. And so he brought in each department and said, make no-bake cookies, right? And uh, it was it was an interesting experiment watching them gut through this process of something they weren't used to doing but what I what really rang out to me, Eric, and you can explain this experiment and why you did it um, more, is during the video of what department's Larry in? Uh, he was in the, the our shipping department in that shipping in that department. Area. Okay, so, so Larry's in the shipping department thing. At one point, Larry gets the label maker, writes like no bake cookie supplies, and he labels a spot in the cabinet and puts everything away right where it belonged, and Eric kind of put a little caption, he made these videos on uh, iMovie, and it said, there's a small change. And that rang out to me big time. And again, I don't want to get too philosophical about life or what you're doing in your business, but revolution rarely ever sticks with employees or with um, your friends, your social circles. You know, like if, if all of a sudden I wanted to keep the same friends and I decided I'm never going to drink again, right? You're going to have some stuff kind of fall away. There's going to be more fallout to saying, well, how about I just don't drink so much? You know, <laughs> or I'll make a small incremental change um, that, that leads towards the end goal. And I thought that that was a great lesson that you kind of were, and it was one of many, but that you were kind of fostering in your employees there is that it, it doesn't have to be this big overarching revolution, you know, those tend to stick out, and that, again, may be indicative of your product line, Eric, not to get a total mind-blowing here, is that 
<laughs> you have fix-it problems, right? You don't have revolutionary stuff. You don't have billet blocks and, you know, 800-millimeter turbos, that type of thing. You've got no, little it's... incremental things you can do to your truck that make it better, right? You don't have to spend $800,000 on your truck, right? You don't have to completely turn the tables over in your business and say, we're doing this exactly like, like this thing that I saw in this book or I read or, you know, that's one of the things I don't like about some of these self-help guys is that they don't really talk about incremental changes being important, just the little thing that you can do um, every day. Like pick one little and, thing. Yeah, and it's huge. And, and you bring up that example. And, and don't get me wrong, at the end of the day, I had four batches of no-bake cookies that we ate the next day at our, at our Thanksgiving potlucks. <laughs> employees are the, the – if, if there's anything I, I think it's important to be known for as far as a product, and I use this term loosely, the, the stuff we send out the doors that everybody gets is the result. The product is actually the people here. Hmm. Uh, I can't build products with no amount of technology without the people. It, it, it just doesn't happen. You know, we we had four great bags of no-bake cookies, and we had a lot of fun with it, and, like, that small change. Somebody decided, okay, we're going to put all this stuff in one spot. It doesn't have to be there forever, and the next time somebody needs it, it's already there. So it's a small change. And then the next person can adapt it a little bit more, not reinvent the wheel. Um, but it's, you know, everybody contributes a teeny bit every time, not not control-alt-delete. That's That'll never work. You know, somebody was was talking about with somebody, and it might have been you and I, Ryan, I don't remember, probably not, but the, the consensus was, well, it's easy. You don't go to the gym, you know, for eight hours once a month. You go to the gym 20 minutes every day mm-hmm. or five days a week. So it's it's the consistency, not the, not the big just hammer on it and be done with it because <clears throat> then it doesn't do any good. It doesn't stick. It's a little bit every day, not a lot all at once. And rolling with those changes and let people see that, wow, that does help a little bit, you know. <clears throat> it's huge. Again, yeah. ma- maintaining the relationship with the guy who's selling you parts. I mean, that falls into mm-hmm. it too. You know, if if uh, you've got a diesel truck and you're making these incremental changes, you know, these relationships are important, you know, with the, the guy on the other side of the phone. So whether it's the, the manufacturer that you choose to do business with or the retailer that you choose to purchase it from or the shop that's working on your gig, you know, thinking big picture, um, you know, down the road, not knowing how long you're going to have this truck. I think a lot of people have preconceived ideas of what's going to happen in their life, and I'm not sure if they were giving out magic eight balls or, you know, crystal balls at some point, and I didn't get one, but I'm pretty sure that life has forever sent curveballs my way, and I never really know what the end result is. And I think maintaining these relationships, again, to kind of go back to the social media thing, we we go into these situations and these discussions about trucks, with answers instead of questions. I think that's a problem. You know, oh, I think much. we, I, even if you know everything in the world, Eric, we can always learn something from somebody else. Um, so I don't know. Nobody's yeah, ever you, the authority. You, you, well, <laughs> no, and you, and you can't be because it's, it's just there's no way to be. And if you think you are, you're stopped looking for a better way, and then you're, and then next thing you know, you're, you're that guy. <clears throat> you know, and there's a lot of people that are very knowledgeable in this and. Uh, I'm always asking questions. I don't know everything. I don't even try to. You know, my mm-hmm. wife tells me every day I'm, I I was wrong. I mean, she does it in a positive way, but <laughs> but it's, yeah. they're all they're always you, right. You, 
Right. <laughs> See, Patrick, I told you we get some deep shit out of Eric Merchant. It's probably a three-part miniseries, and people are just bored out of their minds. Can we have Morgan Freeman narrate it? The amount of deep that, uh, and it's, again, this is hours and hours and hours that Ryan has spent, you know, I'm sure if we wrote everything down, nobody would read it. Because Have you ever seen the show Drunk History? No. Oh, my no. gosh. So it's on Comedy Central. Pat, have you seen Drunk History? No, I haven't seen it. You guys haven't seen Drunk... Okay. So, all right. I'm what excited that I just seen the, the co- third 15,000. The third 15,000 videos ever. And I've mentioned it on this podcast, so if our listeners haven't gone and watched that yet, it's F-E-R-D, and as soon as you type that in, it'll be F-E-R-D. It'll come up. Yeah. It's cool, OBS. Anyway, great. Yeah. Great little little YouTube clip. But anyway, Drunk History, and this is an idea for the podcast. Maybe we can all revisit it at some point. Drunk History is basically this comedian uh, and another comedian get trashed out of their minds and retell uh, historical events, right? And, I mean, clearly they don't know it from memory, so, like, it's all scripted and things like that. But they have actors um, kind of lip sync to what the comedian's saying. You, you have to watch it. But anyway, it is like Will Ferrell's on it, all these great yeah. things. And they, they've done like the assassination of Abe Lincoln. But it leads me to this thing like, uh, we should totally do a drunk podcast, uh, Pat, like with Eric Merchant. Like we just got to force ourselves to drink some bourbon and, and let's do a drunk podcast. That sounds amazing. Feel, it's usually it's how we this solve in the same room. What yes, is, that, that would okay, also be good. <laughs> yeah. So we need to pick a time in uh, March. Uh, well, we'll all be out there I, in March. I was just going to say that we're going to Colorado for Patrick Land, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so... We think, okay. Pat, you ready to get trash with me and Eric Merchant and solve the problem? I am down. I am down. We'll do it. Count me We'll in. do it strategically. We'll label how much we drink and, and document it so we can <laughs> repeat that so we'll, we're effective efficiently. <laughs> right. Need the guidelines. <laughs> need the guidelines. And then you and I will Uber away. <laughs> uh, oh jeez! Yeah, the Uber failed us in Vegas, but that's another story too. So. Oh, I'm sorry to hear this. Sorry to hear oh. this. Um, so, Eric, uh, just so we can keep this short and sweet, because clearly we have already. Um, uh, give us a rundown of your product line. What all do you sell? What you got? Um, uh, do a little promo for yourself. Uh, obviously, your Duramax focus, and we've. We've kind of nipped around what you sell. You know, we said T-case brakes and a motor mount here and there and injector line kits. But give me give me a good idea of what you've got for sale and uh, where I go to buy it and that kind of a thing. Uh, Product-wise, it, it's the stuff you need to keep the truck going, okay? It's all the maintenance stuff. It's problem-solver stuff for, you know, factory um, problems, I guess you could say, Um uh, maintenance stuff, replacement stuff, repair stuff, um, improvement stuff, transmissions. We are, we've always been heavily involved in them. That's that is something that we're pushing even harder now with uh, with mail order. Um, a transmission, you now listen for the truck. We have a couple of different options. You go on the website and you click a button and it shows up at your door. Okay, um, that is our most recent push and I know there's a lot of places to buy a transmission on the market and by no means is any one of them the best but find one that suits your needs find a company you're comfortable with and 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 see if it's going to work for you um, a lot of general repair parts <clears throat> we we take all the work out of it if you're doing a job we have a kit for it okay 
if you need to replace something, we have a replacement part. And the stuff we're selling is not because it's cheap and we can get it to you. It's the stuff that we're actually using or or would use on our own stuff. Um, so anything you see on our website is something that we actually endorse or we stand behind. And there's a lot of stuff that we also do that with that we haven't got on the website yet. Um, it's available direct. You can go right on uh, our website, merchant-automotive.com, uh, through retail. And again, don't forget to shop local to you. You know, Patrick's got a shop, and there's other guys that that are doing this stuff. Make sure that you know, buy it through them. I, I don't, I don't want to sell it out from underneath your local guy. I want you to support the guy that's supporting you, that's giving you that advice, that's helping you through those problems, and and support him by doing that. He's only going to sell you something that he believes in, just like anybody else is. So yeah. any any reputable shop has got access to the equipment and if you're not quite sure where to get it locally, uh, we'll try and help you with that because some of the places we are very familiar with and we can point you to someone that can get you local or we can um, give you some recommendations that way. So it's available, you know, you're not going to find it in the box stores and the parts stores and, and that kind of thing. but. The places that you would normally shop for for your diesel parts, it, it it's available. Mm-hmm. So no O'Reillys, but I can go to Michigan Diesel Performance or you know whatever happens to be local to me. I can get my stuff again. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch on this end. You know, go to the website. Your make model search is great. Give them a call. Ask. But Eric, you don't sell everything for the truck. You know, you don't necessarily sell. Um, this particular turbo kit that they're interested in, things like that. So I think it's important to establish a relationship with either your local repair facility or with uh, one of the large, reputable online retailers if you like doing the work yourself um, mm-hmm. because they've gone through merchant automotive training, you know, and they've also gone through, say, fast training, you know, so they know what lift pump to sell you and they know what um, head studs to sell you, and that may not be on the merchant website. So, I mean, I guess that would be my pitch for it. You know, if you're – if if you know exactly what you want and and you've got, done your forum and your Facebook research and you know oh I just want some motor mounts so I'm going to put it on myself absolutely merchantautomotive.com you can you can jump on there give them a call and make it happen but I I would still be a big proponent of of having this network of trusted dealers and and uh, online retailers because again I yeah. I just think you're going to have a relationship with that truck and have lots of different parts you're going to buy and that's that's my smooth move for it not not to uh, not to contradict no, that's, you. No, that's not at all. I, like you said, there's some things that we don't have available currently that we have on our website. And that's a lot of it is because we, we're trying to focus on the stuff that we deal with every day. And there's a lot of other brands that will complement that. Just like you said, you know, with a turbo kit and, you know, tuning and, and that kind of stuff, all those things are not necessarily needed, but guys generally want to do that. You know, a little tune, a little turbo, a little bit of this. And you can really make a nice, drivable, reliable truck. And yeah, and it, it you, I don't have the ability to offer everything that you're going to need to do it in one stop. And I don't want to. There's guys that are better at things than we will be. So I'm going to leave it to them. I don't. We don't build certain things because there's guys that are really good at it that you can already get it. And I'm going to push that line, like you said, the fast. The fast has always worked very well. You know. The turbo kits that are that are available, you know, the ATS kits that are max tuner kits, and I know there's some other ones out there that they're nice. They bolt on, they work, and they do what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't have a ton of stuff for the guy that wants to build this all-out exotic, one-off, you know, big truck. It's just kind of it's fun. I enjoy it, but it's it's I I don't want to steer you in a direction that that might be incorrect. So there's guys that do that. I'm going to let them have that. Pat, I've got two more questions for Eric. We have time for this. We get Eric. Oh, yeah. Do you have time for this? Okay. All right. Question number one. L5P. I had a long conversation with um, another Duramax enthusiast, and um, Rick Haynes from MBRP. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he's really he was the pushing force for MBRP doing the downpipe, all this good stuff. And I said, when are we going to get tuned for L5P? And he said, well, you know, that's an interesting question. You know, people are really working on it. He said, the scary thing is, and GM seems to be the leader of this, and you as a GM professional, I imagine, can probably weigh in on this pretty good for our listeners. scary thing is, is the 2018 Corvette, you try and tune that thing, it bricks immediately. It is done. Like, you try and access it whatsoever. Um, There has been rumors, and I still have always been so proud of the aftermarket for being able to find creative solutions around what OEM is trying to do to us. Um, But uh, there is rumors that in 2020, every single GM ECM will be uncrackable, cannot get into it like 100%. Um, what You've got to have some feelers out there. What's going to happen with the L5P? Are we going to be able to tune this thing? Uh, what What is a new product that, and I kind of wanted you to lead into some new products that you have for the L5P to make it a better truck. I mean, clearly it comes with quite a bit of horsepower. It's over 400 horsepower from the, from the factory. Um, but, um, I mean, is this a doomsday thing for the... Uh, the automotive aftermarket? I mean, are we all just going to go to repair items? I mean, you're already merchant automotive. You already got that space covered for uh, for Duramax, so we're all going to go out of business except for you. So I'll probably be living in Michigan soon. But anyway, um, yeah, weigh in on that, man. Let's uh, give us some truth. What's going on with the L5P? Uh, yeah, let's just bring something up. I don't have an answer for. I I, <laughs> I, I I enjoy reading about the progress or lack of progress, and there's some guys out there that are very, very, in my opinion, smart and knowledgeable when it comes to trying to crack these things. Uh, you know, the Corey Willis, the Brady Felice, the, the Nick Prignitz, and uh, a handful of other guys that, again, I'm going to get in trouble for missing somebody, guys that that's what they do. <laughs> they try and crack these ECMs, and I'm not the guy that is going to understand hex code and and whatever else you got to do to find it. Will it kill the industry? No, I think it's going to change it. Is it going to be better or worse? I don't know. You know, look at look at the look at the DPF stuff a couple of years ago, you know. Mm-hmm. It, the guys that rode the coattails of this, you know, big money game, geez, maybe that's not the only way to make a living. So it affects them. Um L5P stuff, I don't know, but I'm not surprised that GM in particular is going that direction. Mm-hmm. The people that want to do all this stuff to their vehicles is, I don't know, what, 5 10% of what they actually sell? The money they're going to save and fishy warranty claims or not having to worry about stuff, I wouldn't be surprised if everybody goes down that road. Um, mm-hmm. But the aftermarket being what it is, there's some there's some smart people out there. There's yeah, uh, All the stuff that's impossible is being done at some point somewhere. Um I don't know what it's going to do big picture. I remember when the DPS game was really hot. Uh, geez, what would that be, like uh, 10, 11? Eight, I mean, like yeah. just, yep. just red hot. And um, and then it all of a sudden got um, kind of squashed down for a little while by the EPA. 
And uh, I found it fascinating, all the posts of people starting to sell those resistors again, because um, that's how people <laughs> used to delete. They, they, they run a resistor on the, uh, basically a resistor pack on the sensors for the DPF to fool us so it wouldn't throw code, because we couldn't tune it back then either. Um, so I wonder if uh, if this really is a, a, I guess I was hoping you had some inside intel. Maybe we'll have to get one of these tuners on here, Pat, and, and have him weigh in on on the uh, on the progress of it, uh, but do you have any new parts coming out for the L5P for guys who have them right now and they're listening and they like to do a couple upgrades that aren't just aesthetic? Do you have anything coming down the pipe that you're working on? We're covering all the basic stuff on it, making sure that the maintenance stuff is available for the guy that wants to maintain the truck. You know, the filters, the fuel filter is a little different now, um, so we're trying to make sure that's covered. And in, in keeping with our um, problem solving mentality, is, is we're kind of seeing what's what they're going to need. Uh, I'm not really sure what they're going to need yet. They're hugely improved over over generations in the past. I I've driven some and they're great trucks, but we haven't got anything groundbreaking for them just yet. Uh, but if we find the need, I, that's definitely something I want to get into. So I got a boring answer for that one. That is boring. <laughs> boring. I was hoping to hear something Sorry. awesome. Like we have this new innovative we have EV coolant upgrade gaugey thing imager that everybody has to have because you'll gain another sixty horsepower or something. Like I'm that. just doing the final editing on a video where you take an old Sony Walkman <laughs> and combine it with a Nintendo Game Boy. It has to be first edition. Mm, mm-hmm. And then, so basically, you put those two, and then we have this cassette tape that makes sounds that only the ECM can hear. So you'll be able to <laughs> to download into this thing a program um, to, to do nothing. Okay, <laughs> it's, it's way too early in the day for making bullshit up like that. I got nothing. I got nothing. Um, my final question. And uh, then I'll let Patrick conduct his separate, much longer interview. Um, is uh, is UCC? Uh, I thought oh, you were announced oh, for UCC. Yeah. So we've been yeah. uh, we've been talking about how high, how high horsepower is not necessarily in your wheelhouse. But I I always knew Eric Merchant as the sled puller. You know, like he was the guy with the Duramax out there uh, competing on a pretty high level uh, back in what 1972, something like that, in the uh, in the sled pull world. It. <laughs> Yeah, some, somehow along the line, I thought, man, it'd be fun to just compete in the UCC. We've been there. I've been there both, you know, for the first two events, and and it's amazing how that event has progressed in two years. <clears throat> and the, the guys that are in that thing are, uh, holy crap. Let's just be honest. Holy crap. Yeah, whole um, hardcore. It, but in no disrespect to anybody here, it's, it's cool to see cool stuff, but how much... I, to me, I was like, I want to, I want to see guys make laps. I want to see, you know, I want to see somebody win it because they're all competitive in all three events. And, and there's a handful of guys that are, and they've done a great job at it. But it's like, how cool would it be if there could be like ten guys really competing for this thing because of how close it is? And and I get it. That's probably not how it will go still because the ragged edge is where people want to be, and that's awesome. Somebody needs to do that stuff. Um, I. I would like to be there and just be competitive, just to say it was part of it. It's, it's, a, it's a huge, huge event, lots of exposure. Um, but you're right, it's not 
you know, we have nothing to gain from it by this is the turbo we use to, to win UCC or to compete UCC would be the better way to say it. Uh, I don't have any benefit from that. I want to do it. I think it'd be fun for for the shop, for everybody internally to come together and put something together. And the whole event of it, it draws in a ton of people, enthusiasts, um, you know, hardcore guys, lightcore guys. It's a big deal. And just to be part of it. And obviously using it to some type of motivational push from a business side, uh, we want to use it to show that analysis might not be the best option, but it can still be used in some of that, you know, higher level things. And we want to put something together to, number one, have fun and just keep our name at the front of the field. You know, it's not mm-hmm. where we generally would put it, but sled pulling, I'm not very, we haven't done much of it lately at all, but we did We did have a truck out a few years ago and, and had some fun with it. And had some issues with it and it was kind of frustrating and there's a lot of other things that were in the background that that happened about the same time but it was amazing to me and you know i'm a shop there's a lot of other shops and i had a lot of other very experienced people help me with that truck and nobody was i can't tell you that that's too secret you know everybody wants to help each other win mm-hmm. and ucc i think will be fun for that am i am i trying to win it no Am I, am I going to have fun with it and be a part of it? Absolutely. So hopefully the calendar slows down. I was, James and uh, Chris Searle were in the shop Monday before PRI and, and reminded me, I think it was 150 days left, and I said, yeah, you're right. We probably ought to get that house reserved. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> turns out the truck got to be done too, so we've got, yeah. busy spring. We've got a busy spring. Yeah, yeah, I think a lot of people do, you know, getting ready for that show. It's, it is, it is impressive what's happening to it. We were talking to a manufacturer at PRI that is not diesel specific. And, uh, he was like, man, you know, diesel used to not be almost a non sequitur for us, but now the horsepower war that is going on in, in diesel is just insane. You know, just, just the level at what some of these guys are pushing these things. And I think that is great content for people who are enthusiasts, you know, people who enjoy it, you know, um, you can, you know, daily drive something. I mean, why do you think that stock car racing makes it look like a Toyota Camry? You know, (laughs) things. you know, it's just, it's just one of those things where people can connect with what they're driving on the street every day to these, their heroes, I guess is the best way to put it. You know, people who go out there and represent them well. And I think, I think you're going to fill a great role there again of of being that maybe the Allison transmission hero or you know something like that. Like man, they pushed that part that's in my truck as far as they could, and and that gives some people some something to talk about, some some social uh, uh, prominence, I guess. So it's it's I think people you know use the word hero and. Uh, I don't think anybody in this industry thinks of things like that. You know, you watch you watch a NASCAR race and you got all your favorite drivers. And I mm-hmm. I wonder if that's starting to happen in the industry with, you know, uh, people hear the word LeVon Miller and everybody knows who that is. Um, it, you know, Sean Baca, Derek Rose, all these guys that have really made a name for themselves, part of UCC and, and just been out there. And, again, there's a ton more. I'm going to get in trouble, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but... <laughs> But that, I mean, 
it, it, holy crap, you know. And, and it's cool to see, like you said, non-mainstream diesel guys getting interested or recognizing it. And the theme of PRI this year, not necessarily public theme, but there's a lot of people that realize that diesel is, you know, here to stay. And right. It's fun to it's fun to be on the wave uh, for the last fifteen ish years to see how far it's come and and you know have a little spot in it as it as it continues to grow. So yeah, I mean this actually the last few years at SEMA I've been floored by how prevalent the diesel truck is as far as you know I would call it more of a show and shine vehicle. I mean, you're talking, you know, something that isn't necessarily this crazy off-road capable or something you wouldn't necessarily tow heavy with, mm-hmm. um, but it's a platform for, you know, what they consider to be, you know, beautiful truck or however they're expressing themselves kind of thing, you know, good paint, good suspension, you know, very intricate fabrication, that kind of a thing. And, but PRI, I never really saw a lot of diesel stuff. I mean, you'd see the, uh, um, the one billet Cummins block floating around and, and a couple of distributors and all the machines that we use and maybe a couple of, uh, you know, pumps or this or that. But, uh, but this year, man, it was, uh, it was pretty prevalent, you know, uh, to see all of the different, uh, parts that are starting to cater towards diesel, diesel racing in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, and how much that's starting to grow. Cause I don't think we even have a clue how big the gas racing scene is. Um, just at your local tracks and things like that, and I think you're going to start seeing a, a heavier, healthier mix of guys who are just racing go fast enthusiasts, but they choose to use a diesel truck for whatever reason. You know, and and you can do both these days. I mean, you can. Uh, it's not uncommon for a street truck to run 11 seconds. Yeah, know? yeah, and 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 be completely street friendly. And this is. It's a heavy truck. It's seven thousand pounds. You know, most of, it wasn't wasn't long ago. A lot of guys were towing cars to the track that were slower than their daily driver pickup is now. <laughs> that is that is interesting. Yeah, my my pickup truck is faster than the thing that's behind it. <laughs> we we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun over the last probably three or four years with with our sand rail and. Mm-hmm. Kind of the same thing. We've we, we've taken something that's out of its element, you know, a uh, a tube chassis car with a with a Duramax in it that is designed to run sand drag racing. And there's so much of that in guys that running and and you know high end race gas and rebuilds and you know tow them to the line and we've we've hot lapped that car to the point where we had to stop. So Nick who was driving at the time to get out and pee. We had to put fuel in it. He had to pee. And, the, and, and Ryan, you were helping me with that. At, at oh, yeah. Here's the hunting for horsepower. Uh, Did we ever get a final count how many people we ran through that? It was like over 200, wasn't it? Like 200 laps that thing took. It was I, I know. And when we counted waivers, we had 70-some signatures on waivers. And that's yeah, but we, we had, had guys two. that went two and three times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I don't know the number on it. It was a set of tires, whatever that number is. <laughs> and, you know, I think it was five or six gallons of premium number two pump fuel. So that was supposed to be sarcastic. It didn't come That was hilarious. And all, all the energy. Okay, it's terrible. No yeah. lightning oh, fuel in that thing? You just run a No. Well, you know, it might have been winter blend because it was cold out. But <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, uh, it just... It, it, Diesel's so capable. It is a little heavier, but it's so capable. Yeah. You know, you can, you can have your cake and eat it, too. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that's the allure to it, you know, is 
my my truck can do all cool things, all facets, except for park in downtown areas. That's about it. Yeah, downtown areas are designed for <laughs> that's yeah. Anyways, <laughs> mass transportation. It's okay. Uh-huh. We make fun of Priuses yep. on here. It's 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 allowed. It's okay. We had to we had to choose the vehicle we were driving down to PRI ahead of time because we knew the parking garage that we had to get in and out of. <laughs> and we went one step above the bicycles, but downtown, love it. Not yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Pat, anything to add? I think I'm out of questions for you, Eric. I mean, I'm sure we could probably sit here and discuss, you know, how electric is coming and all these other great high ends, but we got to save some stuff for the drunk podcast in early March. Uh, I, 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 <clears throat> I'm coming on this. I'm already looking around my office to see what I can bring. Yeah, no, I like. It. You know what? They they sell okay. they sell alcohol in Denver right here. Like it's a thing. It's not it's not that crappy four two stuff they have in the next state over, is it? No, 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 no. Yeah, Okay, three two, three two, three two. I'm sorry. I'm yeah, sorry. I think four yeah. two is like the standard octane. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Nothing worse than having to pee more than you get. Anyways. Oh, <clears throat> oh it's ridiculous. We uh, we definitely appreciate your time, Eric. And, and uh, there's so many great lessons, you know, in in this podcast about you know, running a business, the enthusiasm for the trucks, things you guys are working on. So we appreciate that, your time. Definitely looking forward to March as well. Make sure and bring some Jim Beam, which is my my uh, drink of choice. And uh, well, that's that's how much we're bourbon. What are you doing? Oh, Jim come Jim on, Beam. man. Jim Beam. Uh, don't tell me it's something like Devil's Cut or Red Stag or something like no. flavored, is it? No, no, uh-uh, no, no. <laughs> oh, Obviously, we have some work ahead of us. <laughs> I know. Well, I tried to teach Eric how to smoke a cigar one night, and that didn't turn out too well either. So. <laughs> not, <laughs> he was I doing it remember wrong. it, but not much anything else that night. <laughs> yeah, we also put a hole in Chad Hall's fence with a golf ball because we were driving balls out of his backyard. And he does not live in, like, the middle of nowhere. This was in a subdivision. so At the time, was there was no houses behind him. <laughs> so in our defense, we weren't going to hit anything close. Not with our skill level. Not with but, our well, skill level. <laughs> our skill level, we were in the middle of world problem solving at that point of the night. And I I remember swinging at the ball and hearing this, what we later found out to be the sound of a golf ball, penetrating a plastic fence. <laughs> so <laughs> he had the weirdest peeping hole in his fence about an inch and a half in diameter. It was yeah, <laughs> in height. Yeah, it was... Uh... That was a worm burner there, but it, made, it went right through that that uh, that fence. It was pretty impressive. Yeah, it didn't have the height or the direction, but it had some velocity. So, <laughs> <laughs> so many jokes. Um, so, uh, Eric, one last time, how do we get a hold of you? Um, you got my cell number, right? No, mean <laughs> retail consumers. I know. <laughs> You can get uh, on here. I guarantee you, people will call you. It'll be fantastic. They'll text you. I don't. I wish I had a secret number they could call, but I don't. So five five five. I'm, I'm, okay. <laughs> um, maybe I'll give you like a code now. Uh, right on line, merchant-automotive.com. There's a dash, a hyphen, you know, the little line that is in the middle of the letters. However you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, phone number six one six seven seven two nine five five one. Don't ask for me, because <laughs> you'll be disappointed. Um, no, email. You can get a hold of us. Email, Facebook. Reach out to us that way. Instagram. Um, we do have a YouTube channel. It's all just search Merchant Automotive on all the platforms. You can also go to the App Store 
I think they call it the Google Play Store for the non-iPhoneers and mm-hmm. just another, I don't know, the other world that people have apps. Anyways, we're on all the platforms with the app that way. So it's free download. It's just, it's just information. It's, I don't want to sell you nothing on it. I just want to help you get information. Um, if, if you want it, it's there. So, um, yeah, we're at events. Stop by and see us if you see us there. But whatever works best for you. If you already know how to get it, it's great. Um, but phone, email, social media, uh, I'm sure there's other ways that I can't think of. Awesome. Appreciate it, Eric.